few weeks ago, I got one of those messages online. A message popped up, and it was from a friend of mine. And I hadn't heard from this friend for a very long time, so I thought it was nice to, to get a message all of a sudden. And, and the message said, hi, how are you doing? And I responded, I said, I'm great. I said, it's so, I haven't heard from you in such a long time. And they responded by saying, not so good. And I thought, well, that's not, that doesn't quite fit. And my friend went on to tell me that they were on a wonderful vacation in Italy, having a great time, but they had gotten mugged. They got mugged and all their money was stolen and they couldn't get the banks to work with them. Could you please wire me $1,000? That's all I need is $1,000 and I'll be fine. So I just did some quick searching and I found out that my friend was at work and that they were not in Italy, nor had they ever been in Italy, and that I was going to be scammed if I sent someone $1,000. 2020, for all the wonderful things that 2020 gave us. 2020, in addition to all the other problems we had, it was a banner year for identity theft to the tune of $56 billion, higher than any other year. $56 billion was stolen in, in 2020 due to identity theft. I don't know if that's because we were all sitting at home and we were eager to talk to anybody, even if it was some scammer from someplace, we were just glad to have someone to talk to. But it continues to be a problem and, and continues, even though the numbers have gone down a little bit, the, the average loss per person ends up being $1,100. The average identity theft costs somebody $1,100 and it continues to be billions of dollars that's stolen you think about that, $1,100, that's bad enough, but I can tell you I've known people who've gotten scammed for a lot more than that. I've known people who've fallen for that and they've gotten scammed for a lot. But the reason identity theft works is because the scammer is able to convince you that they are someone that you know, someone that you trust, someone that you love, and someone that you are eager to help out. And so when my friend sends me this message, I started asking questions like, you know, how's your dog? You know, you know, and how's your parrot? How's your elephant? You know, things like that. That you know, just just trying to see if they were going to continue. And you know, I realized pretty quick that this was this was not a real problem because I was able to ask questions of my friend that only my friend could answer. There's something very similar to that happening as Moses encounters God at the at the burning bush. Moses is doing something similar. Moses is testing God for identity theft. Now, the first thing that Moses says to God when God tells him his plan. He's going to send him back to Egypt. He's going to set his people free. He's going to lead them out of Egypt and they're going to come into this new land. The first thing that Moses says is, who am I? Why would you want me to do this? What do I know? How, do, how am I going to do this? But then the second question that Moses has is a, a question of identity theft because Moses asks God, well, who are you? Who are you to ask this? Verses 13 through 15. Again, we're in Exodus chapter 3, looking at verses 13 through 20 today. It's on page 46 in the front of those blue Bibles in front of you. If you've got, your, if you've got the Bible app on your phone or, or on some kind of device, we've also got the notes and all the Scripture references up on that. But we begin in verses 13 through 15. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, well, what is his name? <laughs> what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am 
sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So here we have the name of God. God's name is I Am. You may have heard it represented as Jehovah. You may have heard it a little bit more properly represented as Yahweh. Uh, the name means I am, I am. It is, or more literally, I will be. God's name is I will be. He is who He is, and it is who He will always be. God's existence does not depend on anyone else. Verse 15, He says, this is My name forever. You can always trust this is who I am. This is who I will always be. So if Moses out at that burning bush could know God this way, then we could know Him this way also. And beyond just His name, beyond just His identity, what does, Moses, what does God tell Moses? What does God tell us? He tells us that the God who knows you wants to be known by you. So how does He want us to know Him? He wants us to know that He is the God who sees you. He's the God who sees you. Now keep in mind, here we are at the beginning of Exodus. It's been 400 years since the people of Israel went into Egypt. 400 years earlier, they came into Egypt. They were honored. They were given the best of the land. They were, they were treated as royalty, but that was a long time ago. And in, in that meantime, it's been 40 years since Moses left. And in all that time, they have been treated as slaves. They have been worked hard. They have been beaten. They have been miserable. It's easy to ask in that, in that long, difficult time, when you're going through a really long, difficult period, it's easy to ask, where is God? Does, God? does God even see me? Does God even know the problems that we're going through? Verse 16, God says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. He says, I have observed you. Observed what? what? What's been done? God has seen their misery. God has seen their pain. God has seen their suffering. God has seen how the Egyptians have killed their children, how they've drowned their sons in the river, how they've beaten their backs, and how they've given them nothing. God says, I see you. None of their sufferings has escaped God's notice. So often in our pain, we just want people to see us. We just want people to know that, that we're hurting. We just want people to know that things aren't right, that, that things aren't good with us. I was thinking about, thinking about Band-Aids the other day. You know, I got a cut on my leg and I was putting a Band-Aid on it. You know, there was a time when I was a kid, Band-Aids were all the same color. They called it flesh tone, but that only worked for some of us, you know. It, it, didn't really, it wasn't really flesh tone for everybody, but they called it flesh tone. And, and the idea with Band-Aids was that you, you hit them, you know. They, they, they blended in. You didn't have to see them. Last fall, I went to get my flu shot, and when they put a Band-Aid on my arm, it was a bright red Band-Aid with their logo on it. it like, yeah. So everybody could see my Band-Aid. Everybody knew that I got my shot. Trish works in restaurants, has worked in restaurants. And restaurants... They have blue band-aids. You know why they have blue band-aids? Because there is no blue food. 
And so if you drop your Band-Aid in the, in the lasagna, <laughs> you're going to see it immediately, right? So, so you, you have to use blue Band-Aids in restaurants. There was a long time in, in our family where if it didn't have SpongeBob on it, it was not a real Band-Aid, you know? We had to have SpongeBob or Dora the Explorer, you know? You'd go get a Band-Aid, you know, kids got a cut, you go get a Band-Aid, that's not a Band-Aid. It doesn't have SpongeBob on it. I don't want that. I want a SpongeBob band. We had to buy SpongeBob band-aids. I don't have SpongeBob band-aids anymore. Not that I wouldn't still use one if I had to. But you know, it, you, there was a long time where we didn't want people to see our band-aids. Now all of a sudden, we want people to make sure make sure you know I'm hurt. Make sure you know I've got a problem. That something's not right. When you're hurting, you want to make sure people people see you. That they see your pain. We could go back one book. Further, one back, one book back in in the Bible. We go back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter sixteen, we meet Hagar, and Hagar is the handmaid of of Sarah. Sarah and Abraham have been told that they're going to have a son, but Sarah continues to be barren, and so Sarah comes up with this idea: I will give my handmaid Hagar to my husband, and he will have a child through her. Hagar gets pregnant. Sarah gets jealous. She becomes abusive to Hagar. She begins treating her just, just absolutely horribly. And like Moses, very much like Moses, Hagar leaves. She runs off and she goes into the desert. She doesn't find a burning bush. Hagar finds a stream of water. Sounds a lot better than a burning bush in some ways. She finds a, a spring of water. And it's there at that spring of water that she encounters God. And God promises her. He speaks to Hagar and he says, I see you. I see your pain. I see your struggle. Now, keep in mind, Yahweh, I am. Yahweh is not her God. Yahweh is her master's God. He's not her God. She didn't belong to him. But it says in verse 13, Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, that Hagar named the name of God. Hagar called God El Roy, which means the God who sees me. If God sees Hagar in her hurt, in her abuse, in her rejection, you can be sure that God sees you. And he says, this is my name. This is who I am forever. If he says, this is who I am forever, then you can trust that he always sees your pain. He always sees you. And it, so many people in our world, they're crying out just to be seen. They just want to be seen. There's so much of what we see in, the, in our world today. You, you can think of the Me Too movement. People want to be seen. They want to make sure that others know their abuse. Even the Black Lives Matter movement, it's all about why we want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged that our, our pain is real. And then, and then there are those who are still too afraid to step out of the shadows. There are people who are too afraid to step out and expose their hurts. They're afraid to say, see my pain, see how I've been hurt. And yet God still says, I see you. I see your pain. I found this poem this week. I love this poem. It's by a lady named Tina Altman. The poem is called, I See You, I Hear You. See if this doesn't resonate. She writes, I see you struggling through the depths of your, of your shadow, fighting the invisible, wishing to be perceived as something more. I hear you speaking through held tongue. <laughs> speaking through held tongue. Feelings of transparency consumed by trauma, wanting to be acknowledged as something more. 
People want their pain to be seen. They want to be heard. And God identifies Himself as the God who always sees you. God says, this is My name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Even today, He is the God who knows your need. Being seen is a, is a start. Being seen at least acknowledges that there is a problem. Someone sees your pain. Being seen acknowledges that there is a person that's hurting, but being seen alone doesn't, doesn't fix the problem. It's kind of like these, um, these awareness campaigns that we have today. You know what I mean? The awareness campaigns. There's always some kind of awareness campaign going on. We want to be aware of stuff. Every month there's something new to be aware of. I did a quick search on Google and found out what, what is January the awareness month of. January... This month alone is Cervical Health Awareness Month. Very important. January is also Birth Birth Defects Prevention Awareness Month. Again, very important. Glaucoma Awareness Month. Radon Action Awareness Month. Winter Sports Traumatic Brain Injury Awareness Month. That's a mouthful, but it's again very important. And Thyroid Health Awareness Month. All of those things are important. But awareness alone doesn't fix the problem. It takes someone taking action. God sees the oppression of His people in Egypt. He sees their suffering. But they don't just need to be seen. They don't need Israelite Oppression Awareness Month. They need someone to set them free and someone to take action. Verse 17, God says, and I promise. Right there. Man, that's great, isn't it? And I promise, God says, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. I love the certainty in that verse. And I promise. God doesn't say, just say, and I see you, and I am aware of your suffering. I will take action. I promise. God says of Moses, this is who I am forever. And so, millennia later, Jesus comes on the scene. And what do we see in Jesus? It's a great chapter in in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is really busy. Matthew chapter 9 is packed. Matthew chapter 9 begins, Jesus Jesus heals a paralyzed man. He raises a a, a dead girl. He heals a sick woman. There's a blind man He heals. There's a mute person that He heals. And then we get to verse 36. Matthew 9, 36 says, When He saw the crowds... You hear that? God says, I see you. And Matthew says of Jesus, When He saw... The crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion. For compassion to be real, it's not just a feeling we have. It's not just a hurt in our heart that we have for someone. For compassion to be real, we have to do something with it, don't we? We have to take action, not just be aware. And in the very next verse there in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. In other words, now that you're aware, now that you know this need, you need to help meet this need. God has always looked for people who don't just see the need before them, but who act to meet the needs of others. Awareness is wonderful, but it has to lead to action. That was was God's idea before it was anyone else's idea. Here's a wonderful verse. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 1.17. He says, learn to do good. <laughs> I like that. 
Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. I love that he starts out by saying learn to do good. It gives me hope that maybe we can actually learn to do good. We can be taught. We can do good. We can care for those who don't have a voice. We can care for those that have no one to meet their needs. And as we show compassion, as we show others compassion, as we learn to do good, as we show, we show them another truth about God, that God reveals Himself as the God. He is the God that fights for you. He's the God who fights for you. So God has a plan for Moses. Now, it's not just a plan for Moses. He says of all the people of Israel, verses 18 and 19, He says, And they will listen to your voice, And you and the elders of Israel, you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Don't miss this, that that from the very beginning, even though Moses is alone, out there at that burning bush from the very beginning, Moses is not supposed to do this on his own. Instead, he says, you and the elders are going to go. I think it's interesting. Moses has been gone for 40 years. The elders of Israel weren't the elders of Israel when he left. These are different people. He's had no relationship with them, and yet God has called them together. Not just you, but them also. And he says, the king of Egypt will not let you go unless, you are, unless he is compelled by a mighty hand. And so God is going to fight for them. And here's God's plan in verse 20. God says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it, and after that, he will let you go. It's an interesting statement. God says, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. Do you remember why Moses is out here in the first place? Why did he have to leave Egypt? Well, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 12, Moses witnesses a, an Egyptian slave driver beating a Hebrew slave. And in verse 12, it says, that, it says of Moses, he looked this way and that. Yeah, listen to that. Moses looked. Moses saw just as God sees. But it says, Moses looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He struck down the Egyptian... What does God say in verse 20? I will strike Egypt. It's the same phrase. What Moses did imperfectly in chapter 2, God is going to do perfectly through through His people and and through the miracles that He provides. What Moses did imperfectly, God's going to do perfectly. How? Because He sees them, because He knows their pain, and now He will fight for them. There's this progression that we see here in God's response to Moses. He says, this is my name. I am. This is who I am. Uh, This is who I am forever. You can always know me this way. I am the God who sees you, he says. I I have seen your suffering. I know your need. But it's not just awareness. It's also compassion. And then he says, I will fight for you. Reminds me of what Paul writes in in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to all of this? Paul says, if God is for us, who? Who can be against us? You want to be seen. You, you want your hurt to be seen. But you know, it's, it's more than that. You want somebody who has a plan. 
to overcome your hurt. Someone who can say things will get better and here's how things will get better. That's why we need, that's why we need 12-step programs. Someone who comes alongside us and shows us how things can be better. That's why we need grief counselors, right? Someone who can show us how things are going to get better. That's why we need people who will surround us and care for us in a crisis, care for us in our loss. Someone who will stand with us and prove to us that God is for us. And the God who knows you wants to be known by you. He wants you to know His presence. He wants you to know His power. He wants you to know that He is with you, that He fights for you. He wants you to know even even those wounds they don't make band-aids for. He sees those. He sees those wounds. Those hurts that you have that, that no one has created an awareness month for your hurt. He sees that. He sees you. He hears you. And He fights for you. You know, if you're, you're here with us today, whether online or, or in person, I may not need to convince you of that. <laughs> Chances are you, you've been through that and you have known the presence of God. You've, you've been aware that He is with you. You know that He is compassionate towards you. You've felt His compassion. You've also known that God fights for you. There's a good chance you already know that. There's somebody that you know. There's someone in your life who has no idea that God's attention is on them. They feel alone. There's people that you know who feel alone in their hurt and in their pain and in their shame. And they feel that no one, let alone God, no one has ever fought for them. And so I want to remind you of those words from Isaiah one more time. I love this verse. It might be my new favorite verse. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do good. Let's learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. You know, a year ago, we spent this month in the book of James. And do you remember what James says? True religion is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress. That's what he tells us true religion is. Isaiah, God through Isaiah says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. God used Moses to set his people free, and he longs to use us to set others free. I'm going to share communion here in just a moment. And as we share communion, we, we share the presence of Jesus. I, God tells Moses, this is my name forever. I am. I love how Paul kind of playing on that in, in Philippians chapter 2. We also looked at Philippians last year. Philippians chapter 2 there at the end, he says that, that Jesus has been given the name that is above every other name. What name is that? It's the name of God. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, Jesus Christ is Yahweh. He is God to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, in order for us to know Him, He had to come near and He had to show us who He was and show us the love of the Father. And as we take today, as we remember that He is with us, we have the responsibility of taking Him to others and showing His love to others. Let's pray and we'll sing and take together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much.
for your presence. We thank you for your, we thank you that you are there. <laughs> Lord, uh, so often I think in our prayers, uh, how many times have we prayed, Lord, just be there for this person, just be there for that person. It's more of a reminder for us than it is for you. Because in your very name, you have promised your attention and your presence. And we thank you for your compassion and your awareness of our hurts. Lord, for those that can be covered by band-aids and for those that they just don't make a band-aid for, those deep hurts that we're feeling, those deep hurts in our heart. And we thank you that you've taken action. And Lord, the greatest action you've taken of all is in sending your Son so that we might know your love and your forgiveness so that we might know you. We thank you today that as we take, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, we're reminded that, that your, your attention is completely given to us. And we need that. Help us to give others our attention so that they might know that you're there as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.